विमुक्त संगमन आदि पुरुष है कृष्ण लसाभीत पथे चतुर्भुज पुरास्त थे मिलिता द्रेग व्यधारयात and who fought on thousands of battlefields and protected thousands of men stopped speaking and being completely freed from all bondage withdrew his mind from everything else and fixed his wide open eyes upon the original personality of godhead shri krishna who stood before him forehanded dressed in yellow garments that glittered and shined by pure meditation looking at shri krishna he at once was freed from all material inauspiciousness and was relieved of all bodily pains caused by the arrow wounds thus all the external activities of his senses at once stopped and he prayed transcendentally to the controller of all living beings while quitting his material body we are reading this evening from the ninth chapter of the first canto of shrimad bhagavatam The battle of Kurukshetra lasted for 18 days. By the divine grace of Lord Shri Krishna, the Pandavas, who were outnumbered, and by all material standards, had very little chance of being victorious. they won this great war the kurus led by duryodhana were so greedy and so corrupt after cheating the pandavas trying to murder them in so many duplicitous and terrible ways Yudhisthira being so noble and so kind was willing to accept any type of settlement Yudhisthira Maharaj sent a message to Duryodhana that this entire kingdom is meant for us we are the true inheritors you have stolen everything but we are chatrias if you give us even 5 villages we will be content duryodhana's reply i will not even give you enough land to put the head of a needle through in this way shri krishna tried by all diplomatic ways to convince Duryodhana to be reasonable but ultimately there had to be this great war one may ask if krishna is the supreme controller sarveshwareshwaram why is it that he could not force duryodhana to give up the kingdom he easily could have but by krishna's inconceivable and perfect will he never interferes with a person's independent free choice through the scriptures through his various words as he appeared in many incarnations throughout the world through the words of his devotees 
He is always giving perfect instruction for everyone to follow. But he will always give us the choice to accept or reject. Those who reject the instructions of God, Krishna says in Gita, at the beginning it may seem like nectar, but in the end it will be like bitter poison. For some flickering, fleeting happiness, pleasure, or prestige, we abandon the will of God. But in the end, we must pay the consequences. We fall from our position and we have to suffer the modes of material nature. The Pandavas, headed by Maharaj Yudhisthira, through all circumstances remained humble and grateful devotees of Sri Krishna. For them, it tasted like poison at the beginning. They were mistreated, exploited, and cheated. But it tasted like nectar in the end. For Gloria, he tasted the nectar of power, of proprietorship over all the world. But in the end, he died a miserable, sorrowful, humiliating death. After all this, Maharaj Yudhisthira was so humble that he began to lament. Krishna personally took him to Hastinapur and coronated him as the king, the king of the world. Such a great honor. It was rightfully his. But he was crying. He was lamenting. He was thinking that so many millions of people died on that battlefield and it's all my fault. It's all because of me. Just so I could sit on this wretched throne, look at all the bloodshed that took place. Look at all these innocent women that have become widows. Look at all these children that have become fatherless. He blamed himself for all the path for all the suffering, pain, and death. This is the nature of a great personality. A materialistic person wants to take credit for everything good, whether that person has done it or not. He wants as much credit as he can get. And he wants to give blame to anyone but himself. Even when we're guilty and we're accused, our first reaction is to make some excuse and blame it on someone else. This is the nature of a conditioned soul. We never want to admit that we're wrong. We never want to admit that we have made a mistake. Although one of the greatest strengths and virtues of a human being is the humility to admit that I am wrong, that I have made mistake, that you are right. But this is terribly painful to the false ego. Maharaj Yudhisthira was absolutely perfectly right in every sense. He tried to avoid that war by all means. Not even a trace rested on him. Yet because he was naked by nature, a devotee with a pure heart, he was so humble that he took all the blame on himself. He was willing to accept all the blame for everybody else's mistakes and wrongs. And Krishna personally, along with the Pandavas and other great personalities, endeavored to pacify him. But even Krishna was not able to pacify him. How is this? 
What is it that Krishna cannot do? Krishna had a divine plan. Krishna takes more pleasure in glorifying his devotee than in taking credit himself. He personally wanted to glorify Bhishma Dev. So Krishna told Yudhisthira that do you know that a long time ago, months ago, Bhishma was covered from his chin to his feet with arrows. There was no two arrows that were separated enough to even put your finger between. And each arrow pierced completely through his body and into the ground. These were the arrows of Arjuna. And yet he did not die. He was given the benediction by his father, Maharaj Santanu, that he would only die at the time that he so desired. He was willing to bear all that pain because he had faith that Krishna is always the well-wisher of his devotee. And Krishna will come to me and give me his blessed darshan. At that time only will I leave this world. And he had such faith in God's love that he was willing to lay there weeks and weeks and weeks in the most incredibly painful position that we can imagine. Completely fixed in thought that Krishna will come. Krishna, he wanted to give Bhishma Dev the fulfillment of all of his desires. So he brought Yudhisthira Maharaj and the Pandavas to the battlefield of Kurukshetra, where Bhishma was laying. And they all bowed down to pay their respects. And when Bhishma saw the Pandavas, he became so much overwhelmed with love. And when he saw the blessed darshan of Krishna, all his heart's desires were fulfilled. He began to explain that, my dear Lord Sri Krishna, no one can ever understand your inconceivable will. Yudhisthira Maharaj never sinned in his life, nor did he even ever consider a sin in his life. And yet, he was put through so many tribulations, tragedies, and difficulties. But it was all ultimately to show the world the greatness of his devotee. Vishma was such a surrendered soul. Some people today in fact, almost everybody accuses Bhishma. Why did he take the side of the Kurus? He knew that Duryodhana was sinful and greedy. And he knew that Yudhisthira Maharaj was the emblem of Dharma. And he also could see that Krishna was personally taking the sides of Yudhisthira. So why Bhishma? who was one of the Mahajans, a Mahabhagwa, devotee of Krishna, why he became the commander-in-chief of the army that represented sin and greed to fight against virtue and dharma. Some people say it is because Duryodhana and Dhritarashtra, they were acting in the role of kings 
and because they were supporting him and maintaining him for so many years, he was obliged to fight for them. But do you think that such a great, detached, renounced devotee who accepted Bharachari his whole life was so much attached to the money they were giving that he was willing to fight for them for that against God? Externally, that may appear to be the reason. But the real reason is not that at all. Bhishma was such an advanced Paramahamsa Vaishnava that he knew the will of Krishna. Krishna revealed to him through his heart his desire. Bhishma was the most powerful man on earth. He was the most unconquerable warrior. In fact, Duryodhana was confident of his victory simply on the basis that Bhishma was on his side. Krishna wanted to show the world in a very emphatic way that if you are against the will of God, if you are against the side of Dharma, you will be destroyed, whoever you are, whatever our material situation. Today I find so many people in this society by their material success, by their influence and their power, they become so proud that they feel that they do not need to oblige themselves to the laws of God or to justice or to the path of bhakti. Such persons will inevitably be destroyed through the agency of material nature however powerful and great they may be. In order to make this lesson emphatic, he had to take the most powerful man on all the earth to go against him just so that he would be destroyed. And Bhishma, notice, Krishna wants me to be on the other side just so that I will be killed. And he knew that the whole world will misunderstand me. They will blame me. They will accuse me for thousands and thousands of years to come for selling out to the sinful Dharmadana for material reasons. But I do not care what the world thinks of me. And I do not care whether I live or die in this world. My only concern is the will of Krishna to be an instrument of his mercy. If he wants to show this lesson through me, that is my greatest fortune. As Bhishma waited there, Krishna came to fulfill all of his desires. After Bhishma Dev explained to Yudhisthira Maharaj that no one can understand the inconceivable will of Krishna. But we must have complete faith that whatever he does is perfect. And it is always for the well-being of his devotee. That faith is called bhakti. Whatever situation we're put in, if we can accept it with a grateful heart, knowing that this is God's love upon me, that Sentiment alone will ensure you liberation from the clutches of birth and death and elevation to the spiritual world.
Bhishma began to see that the sun had entered into the northern hemisphere. It was an auspicious time to leave this world. He stopped his teachings to Maharaj Yudhisthira. And with unblinking eyes, he simply looked upon the beautiful face of Krishna. And he began to glorify the Lord. My dear Krishna, your love for your devotee can never be understood. But it is our life and soul. How it is, my Lord, that you assume the position of the charioteer of Arjuna, his menial servant, taking orders from him. Some of us in India, we have cars and we have a driver. Being a driver is not at all a prestigious position. A driver simply does what he's told. You take me here. The driver doesn't question. He simply drives. He takes you into a place, and then he has to sit, and he has to watch your car. You may be in for five, six, seven, eight hours, and he's simply waiting. If you don't tell him, go take food, he doesn't eat. He has to sit there and stay with the car until you return. And then when you return, you say, bring me here. And he simply drives there. It's such a menial, humble service. Krishna is the supreme controller of the entire universe. By his will, the sun and the moon are shining. By his divine will, the entire creation has come about. Not a blade of grass can move without the sanction of Lord Sri Krishna. Ishwara Sarva Bhutanam Hridesha Junatishtiti Brahmayan Sarva Bhutanam Yantra Rudani Maya He is within everyone's heart and he is directing the wanderings of everything and everyone. He is the master of all masters. Even the greatest of the demigods, Brahma, Shiva, Indra, Vayu, Surya, Agni, they are all constantly worshipping the lotus feet of Sri Krishna, knowing him to be their eternal master and lord. That same Krishna chose to be the menial driver for his devotee, Arjuna. The impersonal philosophers, they perform great tapasya for the sake of someday entering into the realization, aham brahmasmi, that I am God. They study the scriptures throughout their whole lives scrutinizingly. torturing themselves through so many penances and austerities for this idea that I will become God. But the Bhakta, he becomes greater than God. How can anyone be greater than God? It is said in the Upanishad, Nitya nityanam chaitanas chaitananam eko bahunam kaman. That Krishna is the supreme eternal and every living being is eternally subordinate to him. But Krishna is bhaktavatsal. By his own sweet will, he agrees to be conquered, defeated, and subordinate to the love of his devotee. 
because of Arjuna's pure love, because Arjuna had surrendered everything to the will of Krishna. Krishna was so obliged by that love that he became the servant of his own devotee. Bhishma was remembering this at the time of his death. The love of the devotee for Krishna and the love of Krishna for his devotee is the most wonderful thing in all of existence. To enter into that love is the perfection of our life. Bhishma was recalling at that time, at the time just to near his death, Krishna's love for his devotee is so pure, is so infinite and inconceivable that before this battle of Kurukshetra, he made a vow that he would not lift a weapon and he would not fight. But I wanted to show the world that Krishna will do anything for his devotee. That is the nature of his love. Therefore, Bhishma, during that battle, he attacked Arjuna. And he defeated Arjuna so bad that Arjuna was in a helpless condition and Bhishma went toward Arjuna to kill him. Do you think that Bhishma would ever kill Arjuna? Never. He loved Arjuna more than he loved his own life. But he allowed Krishna's love for his devotee. And he wanted to show the world so he put Arjuna in a helpless condition and he was just on the verge of killing him when Krishna became so angry. His eyes became red like hot coals. He picked up the wheel of a chariot and ran to Bhishma to destroy him. And Bhishma was shooting arrows at him. Krishna's body was covered with the dust raised by the hooves of the horses on that battlefield. His hair was scattered and the Bhagavatam explains that there was blood flowing from his body due to the wounds of Bhishma. Krishna was coming at him with such fury and when Bhishma saw this his desires were fulfilled and he simply laid his body down in total surrender at the feet of Krishna. Bhishma was remembering at the time of his death that Krishna's mercy to his devotees is so great that he's willing to break his own promise to protect the promise of his devotee. Before that battle, during the teachings of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna told Arjuna, uh, he said, Arjuna, you declare it, that my devotee will never perish. You give your word that I will always protect my devotee. I gave my word that I will not fight, but I will accept the position of being a liar to protect the word of my devotee. This is the love of Krishna for his devotee. This was Bhishma's last thoughts. Who in this world can love us the way Krishna loves us. There may be some sentimental, emotional love between us in this world, 
but the perfect love that the soul is always longing for can only be found in Krishna. Queen Kunti had the same realizations. She prayed, my dear Lord Sri Krishna, as the Ganges forever flows to the sea without hindrance, let my attraction be forever drawn to you without being diverted to anything or anyone else. Queen Kunti prayed, sever my attachments to everything in this world except you, my Lord. And those people and those things that connect my consciousness to you. If we love Krishna, we must love what Krishna loves. We find here from the words of Bhishma how much Krishna loved his devotees. The greatest way of loving Krishna is to love those devotees that Krishna loves more than his own life. This is the essence of what we could learn from these beautiful words of Bhishma Dev. A wealthy man, if you try to please him, you get his favor. But if you please the son that he loves so much, he will be indebted to you forever. Yasya prasada bhagavat prasado yasya prasada nagati kuto. If we want to please Krishna, it is simple. Madhbhakta bhujabhyadika. We must please his devotees. Banchakal patarubhyas chakripasindubhya evacha. Patitanam bhavani vyo vaishnave vyo namo namaha. Devotees are like desire trees. By pleasing the devotees and serving the devotees, all our desires will be fulfilled. How is that? The devotee himself cannot satisfy our desires. Only Krishna can satisfy our desires. But when we please his devotee, he becomes so favorably disposed to us that Krishna will do anything for us. And if we offend his devotees, the wrath of God is upon us. Bhishma began to remember the beautiful loving dealings between Krishna and his mother, Jashoda. The Supreme Brahman, who even fear personified, is afraid of. We read in scriptures like the Quran, or like the Old Testament or New Testament, how powerful and wrathful God can be. In most of the religions of the West, people are induced to be obedient to the laws of God on the basis of fear of the power and punishment of God. But God is one. They are all speaking of Krishna. Krishna has many names. Allah, Krista, Jehovah, Yahweh, Ram, Govinda. They are all speaking of Krishna. The powerful, powerful wrath that can come upon those who are against God. The whole world is afraid of offending God. But Bhishma is thinking that here is the original source of all emanations of the absolute truth. 
Krishna, Swayam Bhagwan. And Mother Jashoda, when she is angry at Krishna for stealing the butter, and she picks up her stick, he trembles in fear and he runs away. Jashoda Mai was holding Krishna on her lap, feeding the breast milk to her baby child. And when she saw the milk boiling over on the stove, she placed Gopal down. And little Gopal was thinking that, why has she put me second to this milk? I will teach a good lesson. So he went to the rafters and he broke the pots of butter and he began to eat it. The Jashodamai, when she came back, where is my Krishna? She saw the butter pots were broken. They were in disarray. She was thinking, oh, my child, he is behaving very naughty. I must teach him. Otherwise, how will he learn? So she picked up a stick. When little Gopal saw her with the stick, he began to run as fast as he could. He was hiding from her with tears in his eyes. He was trembling. And as she ran after him, he ran with all of his might to get away. But by his great mercy, he allowed Mother Jashoda to catch him. And with tears in his eyes, he looked very ashamed. I didn't do it, Mataji. I did not do it. He was so afraid of his mother, he wouldn't even admit what he had done. Bhishma Dev is thinking, here is the supreme god that even the demigods like Brahma, Shiva, they are fearful of constantly. And he's trembling in fear, crying in the face of Mother Jashoda. Who was Mother Jashoda? She was just a simple village girl, a gopi. This is the power of bhakti. When Nanda Maharaj would come in the evening, Jashodamai would tell Gopal, he was just a small child, that please bring your father's slippers to him. And child Gopal would take the wooden slippers and put them on his head. He would put the shoes of his devotee on his head. And they were so heavy that he would appear that he could not hold it. He would start falling down. And with great, great pain, he would struggle to keep the slippers on his head and somehow or other get to the door. And he would say, my dear father, here are your shoes. And Nanda Maharaj, tears of love would flow from his eyes when he saw how this little child was struggling, working so hard just to please him. You know, if someone puts their shoes on your head, it's a great insult. Generally, it's the sign of humility when you bow your head at somebody's shoes. Krishna took the very shoes of his devotee to place it on his head. This is the power of bhakti. This is the sweetness of Krishna's love in Vrindavan. The cowherd boys, especially Sri Dhamma, he would wrestle with Krishna and he would defeat Krishna. And everyone in Brajbhumi knew that Sri Dhamma always beats Krishna in wrestling. 
How is it that anyone can defeat Krishna? Before that, Putana came to Vrindavan. A Rakshashi who murdered so many hundreds and thousands of babies. Her original form was eight miles long. And Krishna easily defeated her by sucking her life air from her breast. And Trinavarta came, a mighty Rakshasha, Asura, who came in the form of a whirlwind, a cyclone. Total darkness permeated all of Brajbhumi. There was an utter windstorm and dust storm. Krishna grabbed him by the neck, way up in the sky, assumed the weight of a heavy mountain, and caused him to crash down to die. What is the power of Krishna? He assumed the weight of a mountain, but he didn't grow even one inch. He was only this big. He was only one year old at the time. Without even expanding his body a fraction, he could assume the weight of a mountain. And similarly, when Mother Jashodi went to tie Krishna's waist with ropes, she put one rope, but it was two fingers too short. She got more rope and tied it to that, made the rope twice as long. But when she went to tie it, it was two fingers too short. And she got more rope and more rope and more rope. There was ropes that were yard meters and meters and meters and meters long. And yet, when she went to wrap it around Krishna's waist, it was still two fingers too short. Now, if Krishna expanded himself, it wouldn't be so inconceivable, but he didn't expand in size at all. He remained the exact same size. The ropes were getting bigger and bigger, but they were always two inches too short. This is the greatness of Krishna. So he assumed the weight of a mountain and destroyed Trinavarta. Sakatasura came as a, war, as a cart. Krishna kicked him with his lotus foot and destroyed him. Then other great demons came. Aghasura came as a, as a magnificent serpent whose mouth went from the ground into the clouds. Krishna expanded himself within his mouth and murdered that demon. Ah, Denukasura. He and Balaram killed those terrible ass demons. Vatsasura. Bhakasura. These powerful Rakshashas, each one of them had the strength of 10,000 elephants. And Krishna effortlessly killed them all. And when Indra became angry and sent down pearls of rain, Krishna lifted the Govardhan hill with the little finger of his left hand and effortlessly held it, held it in the air for seven days and seven nights. And yet when he wrestles Sri Dhamma, Sri Dhamma beats him up. And everyone laughs at Krishna. You lost again. How is this possible? Because Krishna is so powerful that what fun is it to defeat his devotee? The example is given. Sometimes the father plays wrestling with his little son. The son says, Father, I want to wrestle with you. And the father says, all right, I will wrestle with you. Do you think there's any enjoyment for the father to defeat the little baby? Just like Hridayananda, Priyavrat. Priyavrat, stand up, Priyavrat. Hridayananda, stand up. This is Rishikesh Mafatlal. 
big famous industrialist. And this is his more famous son named Priyavrat. Sometimes do you wrestle with your father? <laughs> He's very honest. Anyway, stay like this. Sometimes children wrestle with their father. Now, do you think it would bring any pleasure if Prabhupada said, Pita, I want to wrestle with you. And Mr. Muffet Lal says, all right, let's start the match. <laughs> now, for him to defeat him, what pleasure is in that? Obviously, he's finished. For him to defeat him, what pleasure is in that? Obviously, he's finished. <laughs> but when the father and son wrestle, the father allows the little son to defeat him. And the son's thinking, I'm winning, I'm winning. Look, I'm beating up my father. And the father's taking such joy and pleasure to, to, to be defeated. There's no joy in such a big person beating such a little. There's a joy in being beaten because there's love. So in the same mood, okay, now you can sit down. Thank you very much. Of Krishna and Sri Dhamma. Huh. So Krishna allows himself to be defeated by a devotee because it's his way of enjoying the loving reciprocation with his devotee. This is the power of bhakti. And Bhishma Dev began to remember the gopis. What was the quality and power of their love? And of all the gopis, Sri Radharani, she is the embodiment, the reservoir of supreme love. It is described that in the springtime, Lord Sri Krishna would perform the Ras Lila at Govardhan Hill. Nearby to Govardhan Hill, there is a beautiful holy place. It is called Chandra Srovar. It is described that during the spring Ras Lila, the moon god, Chandra, wanted to serve Krishna and his Braj Gopis, so he filled this Srovar with Somaras, with the celestial nectar of the gods, so that they can drink and refresh themselves. Just close to this Chandra Srovar, is the Bhajan Kutir and the Samadhi of the great Vaishnav poet of the name Suradas. It was at that place that this great saint who had no physical vision, he was blind. But there's no material impediment to one who has loving devotion to the Lord. He wrote beautiful, beautiful poetry of the glories of Vrindavan and the beauty of the bhakti between Krishna and the Brijbasis. Just close to that is one of the sitting places of Sri Balabhacharya, Betak. The followers of Sri Balabhacharya worship that place with great feeling and devotion. Just a few minutes away from there, there is a temple. That temple was established by Krishna's great-grandson, Vajranab. He installed a very wonderful murti there. It is a murti of Foran Narayan. And what took place there? Mm -hmm is a wonderful, wonderful story which shows the power of bhakti. During this Ras Lila at Govardhan, Krishna hid from the gopis. And the gopis were looking around, trying to find him everywhere. And Krishna, he was hiding under a tree in some bushes, and the gopis happened to see him. 
So as they were running toward him, Krishna assumed his form form of Narayan, holding the conch shell, the chakra, the lotus flower, and the gada, club. When the gopis saw this form of Narayan, with great humility they bowed down and they said, O oh Lord and Master of the Universe, please grant us a benediction that we can find Krishna. That's the only blessing we ask of you. They didn't care for Narayan because Narayan in his majesty and his Aishwarya, he demands you be my servant. But Krishna allows his devotees to be his lovers. So Lord Narayan, he fulfilled their desire by telling them that yes, Krishna went this way and with his four arms he went like this. So they bowed down, thank you very much, and they ran to find Krishna. Just after that, Srimati Radharani was coming and Krishna he assumed his forearm form and Sri Radharani came before him, Narayan, and she went to bow down and she stood before him with folded palms and feeling the infinite bhakti of Sri Radhika, although he was struggling with all of his might to maintain this forearm form, two of his arms beyond his control just melted away. And Radharani says, oh, you are Krishna, I have found you. And then they began to dance. This is the power of bhakti. Bhishma is remembering the love of the gopis. How Krishna was so much subordinate to their love that he even told the gopis, because you have sacrificed so much for me, I am eternally indebted to you. There is nothing within all my power even as the husband of the goddess of fortune, I have no wealth that can repay you for what you are doing for me. Your love has conquered me. As Bhishma was remembering these beautiful pastimes of Krishna's love for his devotees, he went into a state of transcendental ecstasy. And he prayed, my dear Lord, you are the super soul within the heart of all living beings. At this time, I surrender my life to you. And with his eyes unbreakingly seeing the beautiful form of Govinda, he gave up his life. The demigods in the heavens began to shower flowers. And all those who were there, their hearts melted in divine love for this great Vaishnava. Bhishma has shown the world the perfection of life. To leave this world in perfect love for Krishna and his devotees. What is the most wonderful way according to our present condition of consciousness to show our love for Krishna? At this time we have so many material attachments. We have so many worldly responsibilities. We have so much pride in ego. We have so much sectarian consciousness within our hearts. How can we show our love for Krishna? Only a pure heart can love. Therefore, through always remembering Krishna, our hearts become purified. 
ओम पवित्र पवित्रो वर्वावस्थम करो पिता या स्मरेत पुंदरी काक्षम साभयाभ्यंतरा सूची Krishna is pavitra he is supremely pure and by simply remembering him we become purified from within and without and the simple and sublime process of remembering him is to worship the mercy of the lord in our homes we should dedicate our whole home to the form of krishna that this house is yours and everything that's brought into this house is for your satisfaction my lord it's not for us we are your servants and everything that is cooked is being cooked for you my lord when i clean the house i'm cleaning it for you my lord when i'm decorating the house i'm doing it for you my lord When I raise my family it is for you my lord everything is for krishna this is the proper way to live with a family and to see that krishna is also present within the heart of all of our family members and to nourish their love for krishna in everything we do to always keep krishna in the center Lord Shri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu on the basis of the philosophy of Shrimad Bhagavatam have explained that in this age of Kali Yuga to worship the deity of the Lord to associate with his devotees to live a pure life no illicit sex no intoxication of any sort no gambling no meat eating we must give up these sinful activities and we must chant his holy name when we chant the holy name of the lord we are invoking the infinite presence of the lord within our hearts the name of god is a means by which we can always remember krishna 24 hours a day There's no time, no circumstance when we cannot cry out, "Hey Krishna, hey Govinda." Balabacharya taught his followers, "Shri Krishna Sharanamham." But my dear Lord Shri Krishna, I am utterly taking shelter of your lotus feet. I am surrendered to you. Nimbakacharya taught. राधे कृष्ण राधे कृष्ण 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 राधे 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 श्याम राधे श्याम 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 राधे राधे राम राजाचार्य थाट ओम नरा ओम नमो नारायणायनम टू ऑलवेज चैंट दिस मंत्रा ऑल द ग्रेट आचार्यस अकॉर्डिंग टू देयर ओन पर्टिकुलर रास they have propagated the ultimate necessity of always remembering the name of god and lord shri goranga mahaprabhu he took sloka from the kali santarana upanishad which describes in this age of kali yuga there is no more powerful process of attaining pure love of god than chanting the 16 word mantra Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Ram Hare Ram 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 Bhishma Maharaj in his final prayers reveal to us how Krishna is always subordinate to the love of his devotees That is why this beautiful sankirtan movement is such a wonderful process of pleasing Krishna. By coming together with his devotees, 
to inspire one another, to enliven one another, to chant his holy names, is the perfection of religion. Therefore, when we come together, when we raise our arms, when we dance, when we chant, we are not simply performing some entertaining dance or some, something for our own pleasure. But we are expressing the perfection of our love for God by sharing our love with his devotees, by unifying with all others to glorify his holy name. And Krishna says that one who remembers me at the time of death attains me at, without fail. Ajahnaya, simply by calling out the name of Narayan, was saved at the time of death. By learning to practice remembering God through serving him, through serving his devotees and through chanting his name, it will become natural and spontaneous for us that during our last breath the name of God, the form of God will be there to deliver us to the spiritual world. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna.